Welcome to the Preserve Your Past podcast, where we'll explore all things related to the creative process of writing your stories for future generations. I'm your host, Melissa Ann Kitchen, author, teacher, speaker, and coach. I believe that your personal history is a priceless gift for family, friends, and generations to come. Whether you consider yourself a writer or not, we are discussing the topics that help with every step of the process, like how to mine for the juiciest story ideas or how to refine them into polished final drafts you'll be proud to share. Let's face it, sure your stories can be overwhelming, but I've got you covered. We all have a lifetime of memories to share, so why not save yours to pass along? Let me help you leave your lasting legacy. Welcome, everybody. Welcome back to the Preserve Your Past podcast. And today we have a special podcast episode. I don't know if you know, but I did release a book last fall called Bridging Your Past and Future, the top 10 items to include when documenting your personal history. And through this, I shared items that I think were the most important items to include when you're writing your stories to make them be the most powerful stories for that purpose, right? For sharing your personal history with your family. So one of the chapters is something that I'm going to share today that I think is super, super important. And it is actually about writing your stories in your own words and voice. So I've shared quite a bit um, in my writing and in this podcast about how I had been searching for items of my parents in their own words and voice. And I, I talk about how my aunts and uncles share so many memories and I don't want to seem ungrateful because those are super important and all of it adds to the layers of life that had been lived, right? But when I look for things, I would love to have things in their words and their voice. I'd give anything to sit around the table after dinner and hear one of my dad's slightly off-color jokes. Now, my dad was an entertainer by profession as well as just as a person, right? As a human being. And his jokes were always like, as kids, we would always blush and be feeling really cool and included that we would be around listening to him tell these jokes that he had been using in part of what he did as a as a bass player, as a guitar player, as a singer, as the MC, right? Um, there was other memories I have of him also of him when we had friends over for dinner impersonating the Swedish chef from The Muppet Show. Now, if you're younger than The Muppet Show or you don't know who the Swedish chef is, Google it. He has a whole piece where he's like talking and holding up some wooden spoons and then like tosses the wooden spoons behind him and my father's seat at the head of the table had the kitchen behind him with a wall opened up and he literally would go through his Swedish chef whole impersonation complete with tossing the spoons behind him and my friends thought it was amazing 
I feel better knowing that they appreciated that at the time. Not sure that I appreciated it as much, but yes, now do I treasure it? Of course. And I love to hear their memories of remembering it. Some of my mom's stories I'd love to hear in her own words is her following my dad's band around in the early 60s. She was one of his first groupies. And I would love to hear what that felt like or some of the silliness of her as a girl doing that, right? As a, as a teenager and new love. Um, I never got to have those conversations with her because of the age I was and she was. Uh, I also would love to hear her tell one of her jokes that she would always attempt to tell, but it would always end up in a failed attempt because she could never remember the true punchline. As a bonus, I'm going to give you her version of the joke, which probably is how I would tell it because unfortunately, I inherited her skill at remembering punchlines. This was the joke. Last night, I had a dream. I was a radiator. When I woke up, I was exhausted. Now, I'm not going to spoil it, but that's not how the real joke goes. And honestly, if people want to put into the comments, um, at Melissa Loves History on Instagram or at Melissa Loves History on Facebook, tell me the real joke and uh, we'll see if we can get some prizes off to you. Uh, but yes, no, that was not the correct way. And many a time there was silence at the dinner table for her trying to tell this joke. I don't know if she ever got the punchline right. We would be in tears, almost peeing our pants, everyone around the table. Um, and like I said, thanks for passing that trait down to me, mom. One of the first pieces of advice that I would give to you as you embark on writing your own personal life stories is to embrace writing in your own authentic conversational manner. So we're going to look at a few things to see what does that mean. First of all, I want you to use the phrases, the words, and the language that you would use if you were speaking directly to your loved ones, because that is what they will be seeking when you are gone or when you are just not around. That's what they're looking for. So what are the phrases and words and language that you would use speaking directly to them? And I would add in here that I have a seven-step process to help you with writing the stories. And one of those steps is about defining your audience. And I think it's an important piece of it to mention here because depending on who your audience is, is really going to determine the phrases, words, language that you are using. So if we think about going back to school and when we wrote papers for the teacher, we had a specific audience in mind. We needed to write educationally appropriate, formal English education topics. So that was one audience and that was one manner of writing. When we're writing our personal stories, that's not going to look the same. Uh, you might be writing for work or writing emails. And so you have phrases, words, and language that you use at work. I know I have enough acronyms to between education and my current job to fill a book, 
But that's not the language I'm going to use when I'm writing the stories to my boys. It is appropriate for work language and work writing, but no, that's not going to be how I speak to my children when I'm writing the stories for them and the next generation. But even when we're talking about, are you writing for your children? Are you writing for a sibling? Are you writing for an adult or a child? Are you even the language we used depending on what when that story happened, right? That would even impact, and we'll look at an example in a moment that, that kind of shows that. But how I would speak to my brother in remembering something humorous that happened to us as a child would be totally different than how I would write a story for my nephews on something that I remember that we went through together. So knowing your audience is definitely going to help you to determine the phrases, the words, and the language that you are using as if you were speaking directly to them. In this age of social media, because it's coupled with the accessibility of video, we have many ways to capture our messages, but this doesn't minimize the value of the written story. You might be camera shy or uncomfortable being recorded, and maybe writing down a story allows you to feel more comfortable sharing. Some people are able to better organize their thoughts and express their views easily when they're writing their personal history down on paper as opposed to recording it on video. So while seeing someone speak on video captures their essence, I would also say there's something, something to be said for the art of writing, especially in modern times. It seems like extra special when you have someone take the time to write down a note or write down the stories on paper to be read again and again, taken straight to our hearts. Like that, there's something about reading that that just feels so intimate. And the beauty of writing is that it can be crafted, it can be revised, Sometimes we even get to speak our emotions more intentionally. It's also easy to save and pass along and might even be easier to consume a written story without needing all the additional tools. So when you sit to write down your story, the first thing I want you to do is picture that loved one you're writing to. See them, feel them, and get ready to write the way you would speak to them. In another episode, I talked about how I take time to do meditation ahead of my writing. And part of that is to really think about the essence of the story I want to write. But I also do it to picture the audience that I'm writing to. And if I'm doing it as a story that happened in the past, then I really want to be present in what I felt sensorily, this came up last time, sensorily, that's not a word, what I felt with my senses, I want to include that. So I really take the time to get grounded, to be really thoughtful and present in my story before I get started. And for today's episode, I would love to take a moment to share with you an example of a story that I wrote to my boys. It's included in my book. Um, this is using my own words. 
I chose a topic that the boys and I would remember fondly and I tried to capture as much of the emotion and sentimentality of that time that I was able to. So if you do get the book and you're reading the chapter, again, I mentioned I wrote a bit of instruction, a bit of why it's important to add your own words, but then in each of the chapters, I do an example of using it. So here is my example of using in your own words and voice, and then we'll break it down to look at how I did that. Here we go. Bedtime and prayers were always a special time for me growing up. Mom and dad would tuck us in and sit on the edge of the bed to say our prayers. And we would always start with, now I lay me down to sleep. It might have even been one word the way we said it. And we'd always end with, don't let the bed bugs bite. I decided to carry this tradition on to both of you, my boys, and loved how it evolved into our own special ritual. Starting again with the single word, now I lay me down to sleep. But then you took, don't let the bed bugs bite, a few steps further and created your own responses. So then it became, don't let the bed bugs bite. I won't, you chimed in. And we continued back and forth and even added your own endings of don't let the boogie boos bite. I won't. And don't let the bibbits bite. I won't. So the whole back and forth piece of this started like this. Don't let the bed bugs bite. I won't. Don't let the boogie boos bite. I won't. Don't let the bibbits bite. I won't. And yes, this definitely drew out our bedtime routine. And of course, it wasn't the only tactic you used. Who can forget the many, Mama, I need one more drink. Or Mama, I need to go to the bathroom. Or my favorite always, Mama, I need to blow my nose. Again. Yet, even so, I treasure those nights snuggling up with you boys, especially now that you are grown young men. Oh, what I wouldn't give for one more, Mama, I'm thirsty. So let's take a look at some of the things I added or thought about while I was writing this story, which still gets me a little bit choked up when I read it because my boys are definitely grown past this stage and on their own. And so, yes, bedtime routines, while they took up a lot of time and I was exhausted, I do have to say there's I miss having them in the house under one roof. So let's look at what I did include. I put a bridge in the introduction to my tradition, why it was important to me, and how I brought it from my childhood to their childhood, right? So I talk about how it was something we did, but then I bring it into how they made it unique. And I had to remember the specifics on what those phrases were. And the really cool part of this to um, just give you a behind the scenes of writing your stories is sometimes you're going to need to ask people for pieces of the story that you might not remember the details of. And this actually led to a really great conversation we had in our family chat over what were the three ways we said it of the don't let your bed bugs bite don't let the boogie boos bite 
and don't let the bibbits bite because I really had two of them confused as to which one was my childhood one and which one the boys did. And we knew the, the, the rhythm, but we were missing one. Um, and so to look at that together and have this conversation with boys in their mid-20s who remember it and then added to all their memories of that um, was so much fun. And then we even got to talk about like why we said those things. And I would ask, like, do you remember that? And why did you make that one up? So we looked at the don't let the bed bugs bite and realized, okay, that was the original that came from the 1970s Schumann household. But the ones they added were don't let the boogie boos bite and not really sure how that ended up being that way, except for it was sing-songy and went along with the I won't part, which is not something we said in the 70s as Schumann's either. Um, but the boogie booze is funny because one of the things that the boys know from me is that I will add a ooh as my like thoughtful ending of people I love. So Curtis ended up being Curdy Poo. Benny is sometimes referred to as Benny Lou Who. And my mother-in-law is known as Grammy Lou. Now her name's Lucille, so that one made a little bit of sense. But I can see how when we look at this story, the boys would even get that, that that boogie boo bite part kind of ties in with language they would have heard as children. And then final part of the don't let the bibbits bite was based on French Canadian terminology for little bugs, bibbits. And so this kind of got passed down from my husband's side of the family, which was really cool because it melded both of our family cultures and and into one, right? And gave the boys something that was unique, but also came from both sides of their family. And that was really special to look at and think about how that evolved from when I was a child to them being really their own. And we did this every single night. So this was a major piece of their childhood. And so to put it down into something, even such a short story, I think was really sweet and and hopefully something that they'll look back at with like heart of, of an anchor story for them. And then I get into even adding some humor about drawing out the bedtime routine with some of the lovely quotes because this literally was our life. <laughs> That was a challenge then. But honestly, again, you can look back on and be like, yep, that was real. That really happened. They really said it. And so not only did I put my words in, but I put their words in the story and was exactly how they would have said it and exactly the timing of when they said it. So I think that this example is a great way to demonstrate that concept that I, I wanted to share about writing in your own words and voice. Because in this story, I'm using my words, my voice. Some of the words are my parents and my grandparents because I'm taking that now I lay me down to sleep prayer into it. But I'm then including Curtis and Ben's words and even my husband's family's words into the story and language. And so I think that it's really a great example of demonstrating that. 
So as we look next, I want to take it into what you can do as you begin writing your own stories. And what I offer you, again, is to think about when you are writing your own stories, remembering that the key is to always use your own words. Be real, be you. Think about your audience, again, like we mentioned, and the phrases that the reader will associate with you. So we have things that are associated to us, sayings that we say, mannerisms, how we pronounce things, all of that. And I'm sure you can think back to your loved ones and the sayings that they said that make you smile or chuckle or roll your eyes, even now when you hear them spoken from someone else's lips. Even as a mom, I chuckle when I hear my mom's words come out of my own mouth. It's inevitable. She just flows out of my mouth sometimes. I can't even help it. And I know it. Uh, It's a Barbara June coming out, right? So what are the things that you can add in your language when you're writing that will show beyond a shadow of a doubt that those are your words? Wasn't that a fun episode? I enjoyed our conversation so much. And if you would like to continue our conversation, be sure to follow this podcast and share with friends. This helps share the mission of preserving the past with stories. Want more tips, tools, and inspiration? Head over to melissaannkitchen.com. And as always, let's get writing your powerful personal stories.